there's this really important factor of acknowledging that this is tough for parents when they return to work. And interestingly, Talking Talent did some research at the beginning of this year that showed that even parents who have teenagers still talk about the return to work as being the hardest point of their career. So that's really important to know and acknowledge. But also, if we know it's hard, then what can we do about it? What can we do to support people, to talk to people, and also empower the parents themselves to seek help? when they really need help. And I think those are the the kind of key things that are important for me. Hello, and welcome to Voices with Talking Talent, the podcast that explores the real issues people face in the workplace. This is a space to have the open and brave conversations that inspire change and spark action. We're Talking Talent, and every week we'll be joined by a different guest. Stay tuned for discussions on the issues that business leaders are trying to overcome and what the future looks like for truly diverse and inclusive organizations. Hi there, I'm Lucinda Quigley, Head of Working Parents and Executive Coach at Talking Talent. And hello, I'm Dr. Laura David. I'm an NHS GP and the founder of Smart About Health. This podcast is all about helping you tackle challenging and taboo areas of health and well-being in the workplace. And it's produced by Talking Talent in partnership with Smart About Health. Today, we're going to be talking about the subject of perinatal mental health. Laura, let's start off with looking at actually understanding a bit more about What do we mean by perinatal mental health in your experience? We can think of perinatal mental health as being an an overarching sort of term for mental health issues that occur in the antenatal period, so when a couple is expecting, and in the, the short period of time after birth, and then the more long-term experience after birth, and often classify perinatal mental health or postnatal mental health issues as being up to sort of two years after someone's had a baby. And that, that's really important, actually, to think about when we talk about diagnosis and think about delayed diagnosis and how things don't always surface immediately. When we think about perinatal mental health issues, they may be pre-existing, so they may be something that somebody's already dealt with in their lifetime or is dealing with, or they may be new, and they may be new during pregnancy, after birth, or in that postnatal period up to two years. And they may be things that we've all heard of, like depression, postnatal depression, probably all heard of that terminology. They also encompass aspects like anxiety, so perinatal anxiety, perinatal OCD, so obsessive compulsive disorder, is something that's actually more common than we think when we think about perinatal mental health. And we're also thinking about some of the other potentially more serious um, perinatal mental health disorders like um, psychosis, which is actually, um, albeit rare, it's, a, it's an emergency and it's an, it's an important thing that people need to know about and to know that they need help immediately if they're experiencing psychosis. This isn't the, the purpose of this podcast, but just to explain really briefly that psychosis involves sort of out-of-body experiences, hallucinations, perhaps really invasive thoughts, potentially about harming yourself, harming your baby, uh, not being able to keep your baby safe. So there are significant safety issues that ca- can arise those people who've experienced psychosis. And one really good thing to know about psychosis is that it's completely treatable and most women completely recover from psychosis. Um, But people may have seen, there's been quite a number of documentaries around perinatal mental health and women and baby units, for example. And there, 
maybe people may be experiencing psychosis or severe depression. Actually, perinatal mental health issues are very common, much more common than we think. Um, the statistics are that you know up to one in five women, new mothers or expectant mothers, uh, may experience perinatal mental health issues. And think about the most common ones, which are the anxiety first and foremost, and the depression. And actually, it's not just women that are affected. It can be partners and husbands, fathers. And we know that the statistics say up to one in 10 men may be experiencing perinatal mental health issues as well. And this is almost certainly underreported because, you know, there is I can count on my hands as a GP how many times I've seen a father or um, come in and talk to me about their perinatal mental health. And it is it's so stigmatized and it's not widely available, this knowledge that it can happen to partners as well. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done to make sure fathers, partners are supported as well as the person who's who's given birth as well. Yeah, we've we've talked, haven't we, um, before in in other podcasts around sort of the challenges for different groups of people, either socially or culturally, around sort of having conversations and this idea. Of, you know, we know that a lot of perinatal mental health challenges are undiagnosed, but we also know, you know, in the statistics that Black women particularly are more likely to suffer from perinatal mental health challenges. I think that's important to recognise as well, both for individuals and and for employers. Absolutely, you know, I think we just need to consider that there are different experiences across the world and in different groups and, and in fact you know in in our society and the western culture and um, perinatal mental health issues are the commonest complication around birth and having a baby and in the developing world though unfortunately maternal death is is one of the, the biggest risk factors of, of having a baby and we need to think about you know all of the the other issues that compound some of the experiences of different groups um when they're having a baby or building a family mm. So I think as part of kind of the main reason why we wanted to tackle this subject is about actually encouraging more people, isn't it, to have conversations and to be comfortable in the knowledge that lots of people are affected by perinatal mental health challenges. And as you said earlier, it is a spectrum. So we hear the term baby blues quite commonly. Yes. Can you just explain a little bit more about what do we mean by baby blues and how, how prevalent is that? And why does it happen? Baby blues is really common. Uh, we think about one in one in three or one in four women are affected after birth. And it's a hormonal shift. Of course, we, we can all imagine this, this huge hormonal changes that happen when you, you have a baby. And it's usually short-lived. You know, it usually goes away in the first few weeks. I certainly had a baby blues in my first. Me too. Uh, you know, it's so common. And I just remember, you know, crying all the time, but not feeling sad. You know, I think I think this is one of the big differences is that I didn't feel overwhelmingly sad. And and just to, to remind people that this often happens very shortly after birth, even in the first few days. And I just remember feeling really tearful and not really being able to control my emotions. And I remember phoning up to buy a gift for somebody and and blubbing to the, the woman over the phone and sort of trying to make sure that she'd actually got the right address through my uh, my my tears but you know it, it goes away quite quickly and I would say people start feeling sort of back to their previous self quite quickly with baby blues so thinking of it as a short-lived hormonal shift and hormonal changes after birth and with postnatal depression so I'm just going to focus on postnatal depression and anxiety really here being the most common scenarios that people may find themselves in it may not happen immediately 
after birth. We, we think that the peak of onset is around eight weeks after having your baby, but it may be much later. It may be that you know, these issues weren't recognized or weren't brought to the forefront until much later on. Even and that can be even after a year or going back to work, sometimes it's often a retrospective diagnosis thinking, OK, yes, I think that's what I was going through. And, and that's, that happens a lot with perinatal mental health issues. And it, but it may be that there is that crossover. And as I said at the beginning, that if you have had antenatal, so in your pregnancy, you've had either new onset anxiety or depression, or you've had existing anxiety and depression, which may have worsened during the pregnancy. And of course, you know, that pregnancy is an anxiety inducing experience anyway. There's so many things that you need to think of and you need to do, and potentially things that may be being monitored. So that may be that it does it does sort of overlap with that baby blues in those first few weeks because there's already existing issues going on. Mm. So what about working parents, Lucinda? This is really important that working parents are aware for both men, women, everyone in the organisation that perinatal mental health exists. In your line of work, what are you seeing? Yeah, thanks, Laura. So I think the key thing for me is, you know, we've talked about this a little bit already, is is normalising perinatal mental health and the, the, the experiences that people can have. I think firstly, from the, you know, the, the parents point of view to know that there are lots and lots of people who are experiencing mental health challenges. And it's really normal and understandable with, as you say, the hormone changes and the breadth of things that you have to think about, all the new things that you're trying to manage, you know, things like feeding the baby, whether that's successful or not. I know that, you know, that can be really challenging for new parents. And I think, you know, just the stress of, you know, trying to keep this new little little bundle alive and but as we as we think about working parents particularly the reality then of moving into a situation where you're having to think about returning to work and for a lot of first-time parents in particular they feel a real pressure to return to work in the way that they left to go back to being the person they were before they had their baby and I'm sure there's lots of people that can identify with that you know I certainly felt that felt that way after my first child. There are these pressures that we place on ourselves because in reality, we don't talk about this stuff enough. You know, we don't talk about the fact that it's hard to go back to work after having a child and that we put pressure on ourselves and that actually we might not want to leave our children straight away. We might want to have a couple of more months at home. So I think one of the challenges is that there's lots of unsaid stuff around, you know, being a working parent, both both for mums and for dads, you know, whatever your situation. And then it's this expect- expectation piece, I think, that we, you know, the, the, the pressure that we put on ourselves, the expectation as I've said, that it's all going to be like it was before and that we're just going to manage and get on with things. And one of the commonest things I hear from people who are returning to work is, well, everybody else is doing it. I just need to get on with it. And of course, that's true. Lots of people do it, but we don't talk enough about how hard it is for parents to go back to work and to start their this new phase of their career as a working parent, where they're trying to be an amazing parent to their child, which they've recently brought into the world, but also try to continue their career and often exact trying to do it exactly 
as they did it before. For me, there's this really important factor of acknowledging that this is tough for parents when they return to work. And interestingly, Talking Talent did some research at the beginning of this year that showed that even parents who have teenagers still talk about the return to work as being the hardest point of their career. So that's really important to know and acknowledge. But also, if we know it's hard, then what can we do about it? What can we do to support people, to talk to people, and also empower the parents themselves to seek help when they really need help? And I think those are the the kind of key things that are important for me. Absolutely. I think um, a few things that you you mentioned there, really key to pick up on. And and I think this is not entirely exclusive to, to sort of uh, first-time parents, you know, it can happen every every time and any time that you you bring a life into the world. Is that your identity shifts, and you know, this is a really big part of what I see is is a driver potentially for perinatal mental health challenges. Is that you know what you said about going back to work and resuming that same position or maybe you've been promoted while you've been off and you've actually got more expectations you know we talk about confidence your confidence may shift if you have been off work for a significant period of time if you've had a mental health challenge your confidence may well be lower and that's that is potentially that's a feature of of depression is that you may be feeling worthless or hopeless or not worthy you maybe have have thoughts about the future that don't feel good you may not be able to think about the future you may have lack you may lack hope and, and a lot of these features can overlap with your your new identity um, when you're going back to work so of course you know it's really important for workplaces to acknowledge if there has been any perinatal mental health difficulties for both if there's two people in the relationship for for both parties um and again i'll go back to fathers because i think that they you know they they often in many cases will go back to work first and they will be experiencing sleep deprivation and um, all the all the difficulties that are going going on at home that are challenging albeit in most cases rewarding you know there's a lot of change going on at home for them as well and conversations need to be had but it's really important that we think about the identity shift. For me personally, and I'm going to talk about my personal experience of perinatal depression, anxiety, but that shift in identity, you know, who were we when we left the to go on our maternity leave or our paternity leave or our parental leave? And who are we now? And for some people that can feel quite different and quite mm. unsettling. It doesn't mean that if you're you know, recognizing that there has been a shift in identity, that you've got a perinatal mental health issue, but it may be a factor that's uh, really important to this equation. And certainly for me, it was very much about that loss of identity of, you know, who am I? Am I still a doctor? Because I'm I'm now on maternity leave. It's just still me. You know, a lot of people are very defined by their careers. I'm not saying that's uh, that's a good thing or a bad thing, but, you know, it may be that before you left on your parental leave, that that was very much central in your life. And now you've stopped, you've slowed down, you've resumed a different position. How does that feel? That can feel quite confusing for people. Acknowledging that that's for yourself, that that is a shift that you might be experiencing. And also for the employer, the manager, who's going to welcome that person back from their leave at some stage and really needs to find out the best way to support that person and again things that you've said before about assumptions not to assume certain things either about their maternity or paternity leave or about what their needs are when they come back to work 
Mm. Yeah, we'll talk about that, the, the sort of how you can support people, won't we, a bit later on. I'm just keen to, to sort of explore this bit around maybe you know not why it happens but what are the triggers because we've talked about the fact that you know there's the hormone shift we talked about sort of the additional stress maybe of of returning to work and of course there are other challenges that parents can you know sort of manage that or, or you know or find hard to manage aren't there I suppose in those first sort of you know six maybe months to a year maybe isolation you know if people have been isolated without much support maybe people who've not had parents near them or you know kind of in a, in a different country we know that's really been a challenge over the last couple of years and um, are there any other sort of reasons why this happens I suppose is the thing that I wanted to ask you know wh- what should we know about sort of why this happens yeah I, I think with any mental health issue especially when we're talking about depression and anxiety it really is multiple factors involved in why in why these things happen you know if we think about some of the other mental health disorders like bipolar or psychosis it maybe maybe look slightly different in terms of the causation but one is it can happen completely out of the blue and I suppose you know that's a really important message is that you may not have a family history you may not have had a stressful life you might not have experienced trauma your birth may have gone well and you can still get mm. a perinatal mental health issue you know especially these common ones like depression and anxiety. So the other things that I mentioned there are some of the factors that may be involved, which are things like strong family history of, of mental health challenges, especially depression. We often look back to family members and see that there are other people in the immediate family who are experiencing mental health issues. Of course, mental health is multifactorial anyway. So thinking about stress, thinking about the social aspect, what's going on for somebody, what's the, what's going on in their immediate support circle. Absolutely, as you've explained, you know, lack of support is certainly um, an influencing factor. What um, about a traumatic birth? Because that's yes. something that, I, you know, I think particularly from a work perspective, if yes. people are aware that someone's had a traumatic birth, yeah. then there may be, not, not all obviously, yes. you know, necessarily, but there may be more chance of them experiencing mental health challenges definitely I mean birth trauma is directly linked postnatal mental health challenges but to to sort of frame that in the sense that trauma is such an individual experience and somebody could have you know a really you know on paper really traumatic birth and you know somebody who's reading that paper might say oh my goodness you know that was so shocking surely that person must you know have some consequences from it and actually it doesn't always work like that so trauma is such an individualized experience it's often also based on you know previous trauma as well if you've had any of those in the past but certainly you know a traumatic birth could be a stimulant for developed postnatal issues in, in the mental health area and and of course physical issues as well and things like previous experiences if you've had miscarriages uh, if there's been any complications in your pregnancy any pregnancy that's involved a lot of monitoring and there's been anxiety or premature birth these can all be risk factors for developing postnatal depression or anxiety or or other issues so Mm -hmm. it's it's really it's quite a a broad potential issues that can can crop up for people and it doesn't it's not always correlating with your experience and then you get the postnatal depression or anxiety it may come out of the blue or it may be that actually you've had those experiences that we would consider difficult and actually there there aren't any consequences from it. 
Yeah, I think for me, what I'm reflecting on as you're talking is this idea that one of the things that I talk to my working parents a lot or expectant parents a lot about is this idea of control and the fact that when you're pregnant, you know, particularly if you're a, you know, a pregnant uh, person, then there's a lot of things that you lose control of, you know, including physically. And then if your expectations around the arrival of your child don't go to plan, that could be one of the things that potentially triggers it, I suppose. It doesn't have to be, I think, you know, what I was hearing you say is it doesn't have to be trauma in the traditional sense. Yes. It yes. could be trauma in that the birth plan didn't go to plan or you yeah. didn't get the birth that you wanted. Or, you know, even if there was, you know, a situation where you had to be put in an ambulance and everything turned out okay, but even just that on its own. So I think there's something, isn't there, about that again you know with all of these topics we talk about making sure that you understand the individual story and how that might be might be affecting them yeah let's hit birth stories are are, and I'll come and talk about my story but I think birth stories are really important and you know it's not always something you're going to go and talk about with your boss or with your manager but it may be a really important factor and actually the more we talk about birth stories the more the more normal it feels and to recognize that you know this the last two years have been difficult for people mm-hmm. they they may not have been able to do certain things with the people they want to around the birth things may not have gone to the way that they've planned it and I think you know reflect being able to reflect on your birthing experience can often be a really therapeutic piece of the puzzle and that isn't done that well I must say you know on the NHS there is limited opportunity there's not always that support so I'm not giving I'm not saying that's an excuse at all about the NHS, but I'm just saying there are potentially other angles that people can pursue to find that connection with somebody that they want to talk about their birth experience with. That could be a professional, it could be a colleague, it could be a friend. But the more we talk about birth stories and birth experiences, the more we can process them together as a society. And we can hopefully realise that not everything always goes to plan, that there sometimes is need for certain interventions to make sure that everything's okay. But you know, collectively, we can start to talk about birth stories, birth experiences, and then subsequently, has there been any issues that have come up mm-hmm. after the birth or in the pregnancy? So these are all really important things that can be spoken about in the workplace. It's not a pri- necessarily a private thing that, you know, we have to shy away from. And it might be a really important part of somebody's journey um, that they want to talk about. You're going to ask me about my personal story, I think. Is that yeah, right? well, because I know that you're happy to talk about it. And I do think that part of these podcasts is about normalising, as we've said, you know. So I think it would be good to hear your experience and then maybe also talking about, you know, what can people or when should, you know, your learnings and, and also obviously as a GP is when should people ask for help as well? Yeah, look, I'm really happy to share. I've always, I've always said, you know, we do a lot of work around perinatal mental health to try and bring it to the forefront, help people understand, you know, when they need help, why they might need help, that it's okay to need help. We we can't always have this, uh, you know, dreamy experience of, you know, having the baby, everything's going fine, and you know, we're all happy, and we we immediately love and connect with our baby, and everyone's, you know, one big happy family. It doesn't always work out that way and it's okay you know you can you you can get through my story my experience is that actually perinatal depression which I've just alluded to before hit me completely by surprise you know I, I it happened with my second daughter it wasn't with my first baby where I had the baby blues and then I was I think I was fine afterwards you know it kind of went away and you know you kind of think okay well you've done it once you know the second time's going to be easier 
although having two kids is obviously hard work, you kind of think, well, I'm experienced. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. So everything's going to be much easier this time. And perhaps you've been told that by relatives, friends or society that, yeah, you've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, it's all good. And actually, you know, I really, as a doctor, it really sort of threw me because, and, and I'm not saying this is correct in any way, but a lot of the messaging you get as a doctor is, well, you know, these things can happen to your patients, but they can't really happen to doctors. And of course, that's the most ridiculous thing if you hear it. People are probably confused by me saying that, but, that, but that's, that's sort of the messaging that often doctors receive is that your patients come first, that, you know, what you tell your patients might not necessarily apply to you. Uh, look, I've realized that through my, my work in the well-being sector that, of course, it does apply and it should self self-care and self-recognition of what's going on is essential but it really took me a while to, to understand what was going on for myself and partly it was around the identity shift you know I'd gone from working I'd uh, you know been managing to work and 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 have my my other daughter and go back to work and everything was fine and it just you know I, I felt quite lost at the point when and it didn't happen immediately after birth, I must say. I did have difficulty with breastfeeding. That didn't help. I did have a slightly complicated pregnancy. I don't think that helped. I had a cesarean. I'm not sure if that helped or not. Obviously, it's, it's, it's a major operation. Got to put that out there. Absolutely. You're expected, you're expected to keep carry on. You know, you can't just rest and recover after that, of course. But, you know, I suppose those kind of things, you just take it on the chin in a way. And I, I started to feel quite bad after about two, three months. And I just, I couldn't sleep. And you could say, okay, look, nobody sleeps when the baby's there. But actually, I really couldn't sleep in the sense that, you know, she she would sleep. I mean, she wasn't a great sleeper. And that was that was another issue as well, which compounded things. But when she was asleep, I couldn't sleep. And I was, you know, my mind was racing. I had, I could also hear her crying when she wasn't crying. You know, you're so switched on. I knew it wasn't I knew it wasn't real, but I, you know, I was always listening. I was always sort of hyper aware of what was going on. And it really ended up being almost like a crisis for, for me and my family where I just felt really miserable, um, really low. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to see my friends. I didn't have any, any real symptoms of you know, disconnect from my, from my second daughter or my first daughter. But I, I know that, that that is something that can happen can feel disconnected from their baby they may feel like I don't I don't love my baby that's a really hard thing to say um, and to, to think but some people do feel that way and you may feel that you haven't bonded or that you know having a baby has been a difficult been a, a difficult and negative experience mm. but I, I, I ended up actually really affecting my husband as well because of course you know he doesn't want to see me in distress and you know, doesn't want me to, to, to feel like there's no way out. What am I going to do? You know, how is this? How am I going to feel? How long am I going to feel this way? And it ended up being that, you know, he was really down as well. And he had to take a significant period of time off work too. And, you know, there was nobody at work that he could talk to. Mm. I think, I think you know, the message that I try and give when it comes to my experience was one, you know, your identity may really shift it may actually prevent you from seeking help. And eventually I did seek help from a, a really good 
source. It was really difficult for me to go to, 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 to see my own doctor because, of course, I know all the doctors all around me. So, you know, that, that also held me back, I think, in terms of getting help. And I, I sought help independently outside that. But I, what I would say as well is when you're going to see your doctor at your six to eight week check, which, which is something we have here in the UK, I'm aware that it's not always the same globally. But you have an opportunity to speak to your doctor and, and hopefully it's done in the right way that you're given that space, um, that's almost separate space from what's going on with your baby, which is often felt to be the primary sort of intervention mm. at this stage. But it is a time to speak openly with your doctor and hopefully they will use the right language to make you feel comfortable and open questions to help you talk about it. And I, I always say to my patients now that even if you're feeling fine, which is great. And you know, I don't want anyone to feel like feeling fine. They shouldn't be feeling fine. Of course, if you're feeling fine, fantastic. But it may come later. And to mm. really be aware that perinatal mental health issues are very common and that th- there are signs that you should be aware of and you should be aware of them in your partner as well. If you're, if you're a grandma or a grandpa or an auntie and uncle, to be aware of them in your loved one um, and to really yeah, approach approach it with kindness approach it with the right language using inflammatory comments like you know this is just part and parcel this is to be expected sleep when the baby sleeps you know, these aren't realistic sort of comments or you know that I think are quite unhelpful and use the opportunity to speak to your doctor and eventually I did seek help and, and eventually I got better I feel mm. like I got better of course there's times in my life when I feel like oh my goodness you know I remind myself, I, I feel like I'm reminding myself of that person who was, who was me in those early days, but I feel better. And I, you know, you work through it. And often for me, I found my purpose again, as well as being a mother was to work on my business and develop a business. And that really helped me to, to recover. Exercise also helped me to recover. Um, speaking to professionals helped me to recover. The purpose of sharing the story is to normalise it, but also to help people realise things aren't always textbook. and Things may creep up on you and it's okay to seek help when you need it. Mm. So how, from your perspective, Lucinda, how does this relate to the sort of emotional challenges and how this affects parental well-being in the workplace or outside the workplace? You know, this is, this is our whole life, right? We're, we're a working parent. We have to think about not losing sight of well-being when it comes to being a working parent. Yeah, so I think the reality is, as we know, that working parents have very busy lives and particularly the last couple of years has you know, been a real intensity to that with everything that we've been managing. I think the really important message from what we heard from you is the fact that there are always going to be good days and bad days as a working parent, right? You're going to have days, you're still going to have sleepless nights, you know, I mean, some children don't sleep well until they're five or six, or maybe, maybe never. (laughs) Uh, You're going to have days where it's really hard. And I suppose it's knowing that, but then also being aware that if you are experiencing, you know, sort of regular insomnia, you know, the things that you've talked about, you know, the sadness that it is important, you know, I think, you know, heightened emotions, if that stuff is occurring, then that's when it's important to seek help. And that within the workplace, 
it is important to be open and honest about some of the challenges that you might be experiencing. And if you can't be open and honest with your manager, then finding someone else, maybe that's someone in occupational health or going through your employee assistance program, if you have one, and seeking help through them is, is really, really important. And, and also, I think even if you're you know, not experiencing perinatal mental health issues, being able to talk about the challenges that you might be experiencing. So whether that is, you know, managing childcare and that's been difficult for you, maybe your circumstances at, cha- at home have changed and that's giving you added pressure. It's really important to, well, one way in which I think working parents can really support their own mental health and well-being is around making sure that they're putting the right boundaries in place to ensure that their balance is sustainable. So making sure that they're not trying to do everything, you know, they're not trying to be the perfect employee, they're not trying to be the perfect parent, because that's not sustainable. And we know that. But how can you really focus on doing the things that are important to you, that make you feel good? And also, you know, really making sure you're having those conversations with work around you know, what you can achieve and also what what are they expecting you to achieve at the same time. And I also just want to say around the, you know, the return to work piece, because we know that this is a challenge, as we said earlier, is that it is really important to recognize that return to work is a transition. It's a process. The the reality is I know lots of parents, I, I, as I said, I was one of them expect, you know, to kind of flick open the laptop on your first day back at work and everything to be as it was before. But we know that for most working parents, it takes three to six months to feel like you're actually back up and running and managing. Have some self-compassion with that. Manage your own expectations about what you can achieve and and get the support from, from work and, you know, your managers to really help you manage your, your work-life blend and sustainability, I think is really important. I totally agree. And I think it's really important for both the individual and the workplace to recognize that this this is a transition, whether it's coming back to work after two weeks or two years. Um, of course, there are different needs associated with that potentially. But having a child, having a new child, whether it's your 10th child or first child, is going to be a, a change for that individual. And thinking about the needs of that individual as they navigate this new new lifestyle and the challenges that come up with that lifestyle and I think having a supportive team around you and you know hopefully you will be enabled to go back to whichever position and whichever level of um, seniority or uh, role that you're taking on um, and be promoted and get to wherever you want to go but to remember that it is a transition and those who are supported in that transition are going to be much more likely to want to stay and want to work and be productive and be happy in the workplace and feel fulfilled in both their home life and their work life. So ensuring that that transition is recognised and there's a, there's a process to it is going to be a really positive experience for everybody. And then that translates into that, go back to that you know, concept of mentoring that somebody, if you've gone through it and you've had a good experience, then what about the next person in your team that goes off on parental leave? How can you benefit them? How could you perhaps be somebody they could speak to? That option for peer-to-peer support, as well as that hierarchical support as well. Mm. Really talking about creating a good culture, aren't we here? You know, that sort of culture of sort of being able to have open and honest conversations, but that is supportive of, you know, sort of working parents and the challenges they face. 
let's talk about clients and employees specifically, shall we, and, and what they can do to support people. So in your experience, if you know that you're welcoming someone back who has experienced perinatal or postnatal depression or mental health challenges, what will help support them back into the workplace, do you think? One is it's really important that all organisations educate themselves about perinatal mental health issues. So there's a wider angle around making sure that everybody's prepared and everybody has some baseline knowledge of what could be going on for somebody else and how common it is. And to expect that at some point in your career, especially as a manager, you will be welcoming somebody back who either has been diagnosed with or has undiagnosed perinatal mental health issues. And that could be a woman, it could be a man, it could be anyone who has had a new a new child. So first of all, it's about upskilling and making sure people are educated. And then I think what really helps with anybody is, as you said, it's a transition. So you you are going to have these conversations. If you're not having them, uh, this trans- transition conversation, you're really missing out on an important piece of this, this puzzle where somebody's coming back to a role and they need they want to excel and you want them to excel in this role. So making sure that there is time set aside for transition and that might start before that person gets back into their role. It's okay to keep in touch with people while they're on their, their parental leave. And, you know, depending on your relationship, you might have a really friendly relationship and actually you might be keeping in touch on a regular basis or it may be just more regular points put in the diary to see what's going on for that person. So trying to understand what that experience was like for that individual. And if it comes to the forefront that then before the person comes back to work, that they have had a diagnosis or they're experiencing perinatal mental health problems, there needs to be almost like, you know, another plan put in place to make sure that their needs are being met and they can be supported. Because just like we've talked about in some of the other podcasts as well, is that, you know, going back to work um, is going to be a huge transition in itself, even in the hybrid world, you've got older children, it's still a big transition. But we're thinking about somebody who actually is uh, is living through a mental health issue and they may be mm. needing very specific support. And it may be that at that time you, you offer to involve HR or occupational health, thinking about working patterns, thinking about what their needs are in a very specific way. And hopefully if you set the conversation up in a really open and honest and um, supportive way, then you're going to be met by somebody who's willing to um, share what's gone on for them, what the challenges they are that are, they are experiencing. And they may well have their own ideas about what can help or what's helped already. Some of them may be things that you can do as a manager. Some of them may be external to that. So I think one of the really key things to do is to look at any transition back to work and, and that still counts for somebody that may be coming back from a short period of leave after a baby has been born is what's going on for you Mm. what challenges are you experiencing and how can we help at work of course that person is in work and they 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 need to be able to work so how can we make sure that this is an uh, as easy as possible transition and then who in the organization can help if things aren't going quite right because some people may go back to work and and feel really overwhelmed and 
as a manager, you might be somebody that they go to speak to first, but is there anyone else? Is there an employee assistance program? Is there anyone else that they could talk to or be supported by? Um, are there mental health first aiders or wellbeing champions? Is there somebody in the team or the wider team that's been through this before that they could speak to? They might, you and they may not have all the solutions. And I think that's a really important piece. Yeah. But if you're welcoming somebody back, really make sure that you have a plan in place and also that that plan uh, is followed up and there's an ongoing dialogue and it's not just left as right that's it you come back to work now get on with it Mm. and also I think that it's a good point to make that that plan is flexible as well because someone who is experiencing perinatal mental health challenges might you know want to be you know have kind of the eagerness to set a plan and to have something that they can work to but when it comes to it they might not feel that they can follow through on it. And that is certainly something that that I've experienced in the past with, you know, supporting people that actually when it comes to it, it's just going to be too difficult. And therefore there does need to be that flexibility, doesn't there? And continual communication. Yeah. And reality around it. Yeah. So from your perspective, Lucinda, if, if a manager, you know, or somebody in a supportive role is, worried about somebody they suspect that they might be experiencing postnatal depression or something similar what kind of tips could you give to those people it's a really tricky one isn't it I think as a manager you know and and it's that kind of almost awareness of what's going on with your people you know is is, it's a really good skill to have isn't it you know obviously performance and uh you know business objectives are the main aim but having that awareness of actually what's going on with your people how are they how are they functioning really functioning you know and that they're not doing the the classic swan of sort of appearing okay on top and then sort of paddling furiously underneath which you know we know a lot of, of working parents do I think as a manager if you suspect someone is struggling it's important to to know that this isn't all on you you know you're it's not all about you having all of the answers but having a bit of a toolkit to to manage those situations so you mentioned earlier Laura you know knowing what the internal resources are so what is on offer through your EAP what are the contacts in occupational health but I think more importantly on top of that it's being able to approach that person to firstly you know, maybe ask them, you know, what support they might need, because bear in mind, they might not have had, you know, acknowledgement themselves that they're struggling. So it's a, it's a, you know, it's a difficult line to, to toe. But the message that you want to give that person is that you're there to support them. So whatever they're experiencing, that you are there to support them without judgment and that you are there to listen to them and that you're keen to know how you can support them. So, you know, tell me what I can do as your manager. Tell me what support you would like. And then being aware that maybe, you know, so that's the, the supporting and the acknowledging and then the listening as well, being able to listen to someone because you might find then that they open up and actually they just need to be listened to or heard and that is an amazing gift to give someone particularly in the workplace when we know people do struggle to talk about these things in a professional setting and then it's linking them up with the right people as we said you know what can what or who can help them and sometimes it's also acknowledging that maybe you're not the right person for them to talk to they won't open up to you for whatever reason and that's okay as well it's about you know giving them link to other people we know uh, through our research that the two things that managers can really help working parents with when they return is, you know, their network. So supporting them with with building their network and confidence. So just also having that in the back of your mind, I think, uh, when you're supporting parents back into the business is really important. 
Absolutely. I think you know, there, there, there are really good business cases as well for the well-being conversations happening, not just thinking about you know, business outputs and productivity, because they're, they're all linked together. There were some nice studies done by Gallup, actually, who looked at, um, at where well-being conversations were um, put into the appraisal and put into regular conversation, that productivity and engagement and workplace satisfaction went up to two and a half times where companies were not having these conversations. Yeah. It may be a disempowering position to be in. And one thing that I'd like people to sort of think about is we're not expecting a manager to be able to diagnose postnatal depression. But one thing that can happen is that going back to work, there may be, you know, an underlying something that's going on for that individual that worsens when they come back. Often postnatal depression, for example, is not diagnosed potentially before people then enter another transition in their life. And they look back and they think, OK, look, I can recognize what was going on for myself. But actually, it's, it's got worse now. Or it's surfaced now. And you know, the workplace may be a trigger, but it could also be a position where people can get that support. And thinking about how to open up those conversations can be quite difficult. But if you think about just asking somebody, somebody something really open like you know, tell me a bit more about your experience of, of having a baby or how has your how has your year been um, while you've been off if you've been off for a year six months three months whatever it is just really open to find out what's going on for that person and one thing that comes up for us a lot when we do manager trainings around difficult conversations is that that individual may not initially feel comfortable opening up to you and that's okay it's not anything that you've necessarily done wrong I mean there are ways that you should set it up for for potential success but it may be that the trust isn't there yet and I like to allude that to being a doctor and having a patient come in and we we, we got this concept of that there may be something missing what's the unspoken elephant in the room that somebody hasn't really necessarily brought they've came come to you to talk about one thing but actually there's something else that's that's niggling that they really want to talk to you about but they need to build up your trust and confidence in you first and that if you're a new doctor to them or you haven't already got that rapport something that's quite personal might not come to the forefront initially so to think about this as a continuous conversation Mm. that you can go back and revisit it that it's actually a really supportive thing to do not to just write it off and say no, but they didn't tell me anything, so they must be fine. To keep revisiting it and also to remember and to maybe have this sort of preamble that we know what coming back to work can be really stressful and having recently had, had a new baby and navigating this period of time, it would be useful to have regular check-ins and see what comes up. And look, if somebody's completely fine and, and you know they genuinely are, and they're, they're happy, then great, celebrate it. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think the message there isn't there, Laura, that, you know, this open and honest conversation is never going to be a bad thing, ultimately. And you may just be able to support someone who's having a really difficult time and, you know, support them through that in the work setting to allow them to continue their career in a in a positive way. It's such a big topic, isn't it? There's there's so much, so much to talk about. But um, I think that's all we've got time for today. So thank you so much. It's um, as ever been really interesting to talk to you. And thank you for bringing all your knowledge and insight today well thank you very much Lucinda always a pleasure to speak to you as well and you know we we continue to work together on all of these projects just to mention to everyone everyone that we've got two other podcasts um, out in this series one is on menopause 
and the other is on parental anxiety. So we hope you can join us for those as well. Absolutely. Thanks for listening today. Thank you for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by Talking Talent. We're a coaching organization that helps you develop, advance, and retain your talent. Together, we can create a more inclusive culture where your people and your organization can thrive. You can visit us online at talking-talent.com. That's talking-talent.com. If you liked what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you.